As you're finding your seat this morning, when you came in today, you had an announcement related to Mega Sports Camp. This is going to be happening not this week, but the next. I just encourage you, this is also happening at the same time as we're signing up for Connect Groups, but I want you to know, you don't have to choose one or the other, it's easy to do both. This only lasts one week. And so for Mega Sports, I would encourage you, I know for Shelly and I, we've got three kids, and we'll simply come and drop the kids off, and then we're going to dive in and be a part wherever they need our help. So we look forward to that. So I encourage you, if you have time and the ability to come and invest in the lives of kids, um, come and do that. And even if you could just come for one night, that's great. They can plug you in for that one night. They have tables back in the Main Street area where you can sign up to be a part of Mega Sports Camp. And the other thing is, don't just bring your kids. Bring some others. Studies show we know that most people who have made a decision to follow Christ did so as a child. Um, that the best chance we've got is while they are kids. And that was a big part of why Shelly and I ran schools overseas. We knew if we could take these kids of these nations in Sudan and, and near the West Bank, that if we could infect them with Jesus, that they could change the countries in which they lived. So I just encourage you, invest in kids, bring kids with you. Uh, don't have seats open in your van. They should be full of kids, right? Amen. Well, I'm going to continue in our series this morning. We're in a series called Resistance. Last week, we talked about the wilderness, John on the island of Patmos. I was already given a hard time by someone saying, now, why did you have to start chapter one in the wilderness? Who wants to start there? But, you know, God does have to do something in our lives to prepare us for the work that he's called us to. And the wilderness is a place for that. Jesus started the wilderness. He was baptized, blessed by the Father, and led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Sometimes we like to forget the part that the Spirit led him. But the Spirit does lead us into wilderness experiences. But I do want to jump into a discussion on community this morning. I want to start by letting you know that you will not have a mansion in heaven. Some are beginning to question, where is he going with this? You will have Jesus, and you will have community. I know a lot of people have thought that they will be granted a huge home when they get to heaven, but it's simply not true. Shortly after Shelly and I were married, I am realizing, Shelly and the kids were in Tennessee this week, um, visiting with grandparents. I did not ask your permission to share this story this morning. <laughs> Father, forgive me, I know not what I do. <laughs> If anybody has some extra lunch this morning, I might need a join at your table. Is that right if I share this story? I'm going to talk about Sunday school. All right, good. <laughs> we were going to a church, and Shelly and I jumped into Sunday school class, and the teacher was talking about crowns and mansions. You know, what jewels do you want in your crown? What kind of mansion do you want to live in? <clears throat> Shelly raised her hand, and she said, you know, to be honest... I just can't wait to get to heaven to see Jesus. And the teacher rather indirectly implied, well, we shouldn't just want to get to heaven. And Charlie's like, no, 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 it's more than I want to just get to heaven, but I'm not really thinking so much about crowns and mansions. I'm thinking about just being with Jesus. Well, the teacher proceeded to teach the class and at the end gave an altar call hoping Shelley would give her life to Christ that day. <laughs> Shelley did not raise her hand. She had given her life to Christ at age five. Um, but that was where the class had started. We, we did not go back to that Sunday school class. <laughs> heaven help us. So where did this mansion in heaven thinking come from? Well, for one, we grew up singing. I've got a mansion. What's the other part? 
That's right. Fun song. <laughs> I knew you could keep going. Uh, but not so great theology. John chapter 14, Jesus makes a statement, In my Father's house are many rooms. The New King James writes it as follows, In my Father's house are many mansions. And this really is where the mansion mindset came from. And two, we live in a country where we're fed the lie that the greatest joy we can experience in this life is found in the constant accumulation of more. Bigger and better cars, houses, and everything else. And if I can't get it in this life, well, hopefully I can get it in the next. But the question is, and what we always need to ask when we examine Scripture is, what did Jesus mean by many rooms or mansions, as the New King James translates it? And what I know is Jesus often used visual aids and word pictures. He was a great communicator, great teacher. The birds of the air, the lilies of the field. He references the gold of the temple and whitewashed tombs. So when Jesus refers to life in eternity being like children who have their own private rooms, he's likely referring to a dwelling known as an insula. Here's a picture of one. This is in Capernaum, if you were to go visit. Capernaum was the hometown of Peter, also the place where Jesus based in ministry for three years. And this is an example of an insula. And what you're looking at is homes that had rooms with central courtyards, rooms on all sides, living rooms and other rooms. So in John chapter 14, Jesus is referring to a first century mansion with many rooms and courtyards. This is also why I have joked, and I couldn't really give you the background, in previous messages where I've talked about community, that if you struggle spending five minutes with a brother or sister in Christ, good luck with eternity. I really think God has a sense of humor, and they're going to be your next door neighbor. You're going to wind up sharing a courtyard with them. Now, I can't wait to get to eternity, of course, first and foremost, to be with God. But also, I'm busy in this life. I don't have the time that I would like to spend with everyone in this room, let alone all the other people that have crossed my path in my lifetime. I can't wait to get to heaven to spend time with Michael and Aaron. I don't know if we'll have barbecues up there. We'll see. We're guaranteeing the marriage supper of the Lamb, at least. Spend time with Leon and, and Cliff, with Andrew and, and Pastor Jim. I work with these people, but honestly, I don't get to spend a lot of time with them. The joy of eternity is all going to be about relationships. It's going to be about community, a relationship with Jesus and the family of God. But here's the problem. Over the past 2,000 years, we've moved away from that. We've moved away from relationships. An author, he described the past 2,000 church of church history. Here's what he says. He says, Christianity was birthed in Galilee as a relationship. It spread to Greece and became a philosophy. It spread to Rome and became an empire. It spread to Britain and became a culture. It spread to the United States and became an enterprise. We in America, the author writes, must leave behind our church as enterprise approach to ministry, return to Galilee, and lead a church that is truly about relationships. It is too tempting and often much easier to measure the effectiveness of a ministry by the size of the enterprise rather than by the transformation of individual lives and the richness of a community's fellowship. Part of going back to Jesus, we talked about last week, this study on the resistance is all about taking the church back to what Jesus expects, that we've got to go back to Jesus in order to go forward and on with God. And so part of that is taking the church back to community, 
because living in community is better than doing life alone. Last week, we started our new series of Resistance, the church and its mission, and we began on the island of Patmos where the exiled John received a visionary message about the church from the risen Jesus. But before Jesus supernaturally appeared to John on this island with a message for seven churches, John travels with him during his earthly ministry, and Jesus modeled what it meant to live in community while staying on mission for him. So to help us understand the value of living in community this morning, we're going to be reading from Hebrews chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, and I do hope you do, I, I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word this morning. So we're in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Simple verses with powerful instructions for us as a faith family. So Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 and the reason we stand for the reading of God's word is simply to, to bring recognition that it's God's word, and we always want to hold in high regard his word above our own. So Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Amen. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. Aren't the, it's not a wonderful scripture passage. I love those verses, and that's where I'm going to be talking from as it relates to community. And the first point is this, that living in community is better than doing life alone because in community we have godly peer pressure. Jesus uses the, the word church in Matthew chapter 16 and in Matthew 18. And this series, as I mentioned, is all about what Jesus expects of his church. And so we're examining the passage of Scripture in the New Testament where Jesus talks about the church. In Matthew 16, Jesus says, I will build my church. And we're going to come back to that passage at the very end of the series, the last week of July. And in Matthew 18, Jesus is talking about how we are to deal with challenges in community. And here's what he says if, if you read this passage. Now, if you have gotten a hold of my book, The Resistance... If you want one of those, they're at Main Street Theater. If you're in our connect groups and want to follow along with where we're headed with the series, I do base a lot of chapter 2 on the scripture passage, Matthew 18, because again, this is where Jesus talks about the church. I'm not going to dive deep into that this morning, because I don't want to reiterate what's already been stated in the book. But I do want to talk on it briefly. In Matthew 18, what Jesus says here is, if someone offends you, go and talk with that person. Don't dodge it. If it's something that's bothering you, because the goal for Jesus is all about community. It's all about unity. He doesn't say go and talk about that person with five other people. He says go and talk to that person, approach them. And if that doesn't work, take someone else with you. And not so that person and you can gang up on that one individual. That's not the point. It actually is to help you in perspective to bring a mediator with you that would say, you know what, this is what I was offended by, and maybe that person could shed light on, well, maybe that wasn't really the way it was meant to be received. And then the last thing is the third step is to take it to the church. This is where Jesus uses the word church. Now, what I want you to understand in the takeaway of this passage, again, I don't want to go deep into it, but I want you to understand this one point, that the goal of this method of community is unity. That is the purpose of Jesus talking about this in passage in community. The goal is not discipline, but reconciliation. The goal is not separation, but togetherness. The goal is not rejection, but redemption. Something to keep in mind as you encounter challenges in relationship. And we'll have them. 
The Bible says where two or three are gathered, what's it say? God is there. Let me add to that. There will be challenges. Where two or three are gathered, you're going to have a difference of opinion, and that's okay, but God is there, and he wants you to work those things out. And I did share a whole message on being in right relationship with others, that to be right with God, you have to be right with others. It's important. And now these are the only two places in the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, where Jesus talks about the church, Matthew 16 and Matthew 18, and otherwise the seven letters to the church is Revelation. And what I want to look at is what the word that Jesus uses here. Now, the Old Testament's written in Hebrew, the, the Old Testament's in Hebrew, New Testament's in Greek. So the word that Jesus uses for church here is ekklesia. And ekklesia refers to a community of people, an assembly of people. And it comes from the Greek verb ekaleo, which means called out. So the best definition I can give you for the church is that it's a community of people who have been called out for a purpose. That is what the church is. When Jesus made his declaration to build the church, he was not referencing a physical structure, but a community of believers. Church doesn't just happen on Sunday. It's a 24-7 endeavor in the lives of who call him Lord. That's why I'm constantly saying, may we be the hands and feet of Jesus to our world. The church is meant to be in the world as you go into the world. Jesus did not die for events or buildings. He laid down his life for you and for me, for people, for the church. The church is a movement, not a location. It's a people, not a building. It's an opportunity to grow in our faith as we come together with like-minded people. Daily, we're bombarded with messages and advertisements. I'm sure you're aware of this. Many telling us about things we need or how we should live. And whether we like to admit it or not, Oftentimes, these messages can and do influence the way we live. Here's a few you may have seen. Walmart, save money, live better. That's somewhat true, I guess. Another one, McDonald's. I like this one. Yes, I do. It's about marrying McDonald's. Who marries McDonald's? That can't be healthy. Starbucks. Meet me at Starbucks. You know, what I found interesting in these advertisements is two of them, McDonald's and Starbucks, they play on our heartfelt need to be in relationship, to be in community, which is a God-given need, by the way, but marketers take it anyway. What we know is we take in about 5,000 messages or advertisements a day, 5,000. They actually say it's more. If you count walking through a grocery store and you see all the labels and things, obviously you're taking in a ton of messages. We are influenced by what's around us. But this is why we need one another. The Hebrews declares, stir up one another to love and good works. Stir up, motivate, provoke, agitate. The Greek word behind this one is a very strong one. It occurs only one other time in the New Testament. We as the church are expected to encourage one another, to push one another on to love well, love that serves others. The kind of love that took Jesus to the cross. And it's out of this love that we're then compelled to engage in good works. To deal with the 5,000 plus messages we intake each day, many of which run counter to the message of Jesus, we must have godly peer pressure around us. Otherwise, our default is to be influenced by the world. When we are meant to be influenced by the character and commands of Christ. I shared with you, I have a friend who tells his kids, look, if you want to watch 30 minutes of TV at night, you've got to spend 30 minutes with God in the morning. 
He wants to make sure that he has balanced what God is speaking into their lives and what the world is speaking into their lives. And he wants God to reign and rule more than this world. It's important, as we look at Hebrews, to not neglect the opportunity to meet together. It's vital to be connected to others. Several weeks ago, I talked about the great rescue, and we shared a model of which we're working within, that we want to move from being outside the church to attending on a Sunday morning to joining a connect group to becoming a world changer. There's a progression involved in growing in God and being involved in community. So my question would be, where are you? Where are you on that circle? Some of you have yet to take the step of becoming involved with the connect group. But it's important to have godly peer pressure in your life. And this is what connect groups are for. At the end of the message today, you're going to have opportunity to sign up for a connect group. We're going to have those leaders come back to the front so that you can sign up to be a part. We kicked them off this week. You don't want to miss your chance to grow in your faith and grow in community this summer. Researchers tell us that people average two Sundays a month as it relates to church attendance. And I'm telling you, that's really not enough to make sure that you're living for the kingdom. You must have godly peer pressure in your life. Godly peer pressure is necessary to keep your life on track. Second point I'd like to share is that living in community is better than doing life alone, because in community, you can be encouraged. Last week, as we examined John on the island of Patmos and we discovered that he learned to live in two places at once. He shared in Revelation chapter 1, I was on the island called Patmos, and I was in the Spirit. I love those two phrases together. He was in a prison-like setting, but his eyes were fixed on Jesus. He was wandering a rocky, inhospitable place, but his pleasure was fellowship with God. We must learn to live in the same way, to live in a world of conflict, a fallen world, a world full of evil, a, a world without hope, a world that's desperately in need of the message of Jesus. We live in this world, we work in this world, but we belong to the kingdom of God. And so we pray without ceasing. We walk in the Spirit. And we can get worn down without the consistent encouragement of others. This is why we do our weekly review. There's value there to check in, to see how things are going, to encourage one another. That's really the point. It's part of our prayer time. This happens in our connect groups. This occurs as you serve shoulder to shoulder with others. Could be as a greeter, as a, a kids worker, or many other places you have opportunity to serve. I am amazed as I've been diving into life stories and people tell me about where they're at and the things that they're experiencing. And I can't imagine walking through some of what people have faced without God and without the family of God. We're together for a reason. Jesus had ordained it that way. You're not meant to do life alone. You're meant to live in community. Whether an introvert or extrovert, you have been uniquely designed to flourish in community. It doesn't matter your personality. When we have our weekly review time, here's what I encourage. Be honest. Don't just go through the motions. I know that some of you just sit back and wait for that time to pass. But I also know you've got to be willing to take that step forward and have conversation with people. And even if it's just next to your spouse, fine, feel free to talk to your spouse. I encourage you to talk to others near you if you can. But I will tell you, too, what we know in Purdue, uh, graduation happens and people leave. We lose about 90 people in the church. That's just kind of what happens. So part of what we may consider as we watch summer attendance, because Purdue has let out, is we may close off the balcony, not because we don't like the balcony, but because we want to make sure people are together and you're having conversations. 
don't isolate yourself. I can't drive that home enough. The enemy would love for you to stand alone, but God means for you to stand together. Don't do it. You've got to be real with one another and encourage one another. It's a necessary part of spiritual growth. You are bound to face challenges in this life, but troubles can be navigated with the encouragement of a church family. The last point I'd like to share is that living in community is better than doing life alone because in community, we are reminded of our life purpose. I have yet to find a person who does not want to be involved in something greater than themselves. We're hardwired this way. We long to live a life that matters. It's a God-given drive, a divine difference that we want to make with the lives that we live. And so we're in this message series on the resistance, the church and its mission, and being a part of the resistance is to be a part of a movement that is determined to change the world, a commitment to be the church that Jesus wants, a church committed to love, suffering, truth, holiness, authenticity, mission, and fervor. These are the qualities we're going to discuss in the coming weeks as we walk through this series. And here's a video that I'd like to share with you that opens into what it means to be a part of the resistance, if we could share that. Why did Jesus come as a man and die on the cross? Many would say because my sin separates me from a holy God. Jesus died that I might be reconciled to him, that his death reconciles me to God. Both answers are correct, but the second is more closely tied to community, the kind of community recorded in the book of Acts, but rarely seen in the church today. We live in a world at war, an ongoing battle between light and darkness, good versus evil. John writes in 1 John 3.8, the reason the Son of God appeared is to destroy the devil and his works. Jesus' mission on earth includes defeating the enemy. The cross is victory over principalities and powers, holding people in bondage. It's victory over sin, death, and the devil. That's why so often the church uses the symbol of the cross as a sign of victory. And Jesus loves the church. He gave his life for her. During his earthly ministry, Jesus said that he would build his church, and later he entrusted the church with his message of hope and reconciliation. The word that Jesus uses for church refers to an assembly of people, the called out ones. The church is an assembly of people called out with purpose. In the book of Revelation, Jesus instructs John to write seven letters to a collective group of churches. These letters help to define what the church is called to, to perseverance, to community, to love and suffering, to truth and holiness, to authenticity, to mission, to fervor, to conflict. As God's emissaries, believers are called and empowered to do the assignment established by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus died for the church, is in the midst of the church, loves the church, and gave an assignment to her. The hope of the world is Jesus, the message of the church. Presently, there are over three billion people in the world today without the hope found in Jesus. God desires to use you to build his church and advance his kingdom. Will you join the resistance?
Hebrew, he says to motivate one another to love and good works, to encourage one another all the more as you see the day of Christ's return on the horizon. We must be committed to community to remain encouraged until Jesus returns. We need one another. You must be a church family. We must be a church family where everyone is genuinely known, lovingly supported, and honestly challenged. So rather than becoming a static building of individually minded believers with surface level relationships, that otherwise is the default. Connection point is to be a community of divinely inspired, globally minded Jesus followers fulfilling his mission throughout the earth. That's a mouthful. It's a run-on sentence, too, I think, but I'm okay with that. The captain of a large fishing boat, <clears throat> he began to go around and ask the people on the boat what their job was. He asked the first mate to describe his work, and the first mate said to pilot the ship. The captain loudly exclaimed, wrong. The captain then asked the cook about his job, and so the cook said, well, to cook food. The captain loudly declared, wrong again. And so confused, the first mate and the cook, they wondered, well, what then is our job? And the captain retorted, to catch fish. No matter your role within the church, everyone is a fisher of men and women. We come together in community. Living in community is better than doing life alone because we're reminded of our life purpose. Jesus said, follow me, you'll be fishers of men. That is our life purpose. We must keep one another focused on the main task. So I encourage you, take your next step in following Jesus. Sign up to be in a connect group, become a world changer by abiding daily, by living the word, sharing the story of Jesus, giving generously, and serving others. That's what it means to follow him. This is how you fulfill your calling to be a fisher of men and women. Living in community is better than doing life alone. Eternity starts now. So often people think about heaven and they don't realize that your eternal life in Christ, it starts right now. You experience Jesus now. You experience community now. Now we've yet to experience Jesus' community and life eternal in its fullness. Yes, that's true, but we should start practicing eternity from now. Follow Jesus with all your heart with all your mind and all your strength, encourage your brother and sister in Christ toward love and good works. Living in community is better than doing life alone because in community we have godly peer pressure, we can be encouraged and be reminded of our life purpose. So I ask you some questions this morning. The first is this. Have you been doing life alone, but you understand you were made for relationships? Do you have a desire to move from simply coming on a Sunday morning to now to the place where you're connected? You can start by making a decision to step into a connect group today. So if you've yet to sign up, I'm going to invite all our connect group leaders, if you don't mind, to come forward this morning. They've got clipboards, and you're going to have opportunity before you leave today. Many of you have already signed up for a connect group, and that's wonderful, but I know that there are many that could still say, you know what, I really do need godly peer pressure in my life, so I'm going to be a part of a connect group today. So if you're one of our connect group leaders and you're on a sanctuary this morning, you know, the amazing thing is a lot of them serve in other places, so we have to find fill-ins. But I'm going to invite our connect group leaders to come this morning, and I've asked them to line up because I know oftentimes it's tied to the day of the week in which you can attend. So if your connect group is meeting on a Sunday, we've asked them to line up to your left, all the way down, moving to this side where they're meeting on a Saturday. So I'm going to invite you to stand this morning. Everyone in the room, if you could stand. We're going to close in song, and we want to make it simple for you to be able to sign up to be a part of a connect group today.
Because here's what I know. You can deepen your walk with God by signing up to be in a connect group. You can be encouraged as you face challenges in your day-to-day activities by having others walk alongside you. You don't want to miss an opportunity to grow in your faith by being in a connect group today. So as you musician sings, I'm going to invite you to come. And two, I'm going to highlight, if you live up near the Rensselaer area, we asked Kevin Smith to fill in for uh, the Clarks and the Lux. Near and Sloan, just kidding. You got him? Mick. Where's Mick? There he is. So Mick is filling in for the Lux and the Clarks because Chuck is up here, Michael's in the back. And so if you're up in the Rensselaer area, I encourage you to sign up for that. And the other question we've gotten is sometimes people said it's hard to meet during the week, so we've got the Ritters are meeting on Saturday. Okay, and you're filling in for them. That's great. So I just encourage you, as we sing this morning, if you have yet to sign up for a connect group, just step out of the aisles. It's easy this morning. Come down, and they'll write down your name.